Hello, everyone. Welcome to another episode of Common Room Talk. My name's Tony, and I'm your host. So I wanted to start off today with some really cool and exciting news about the Fantastic Beasts series. Now, as you guys know, this is a movie series that is out set early 1920s, 1930s, all in that time frame. So this is all before the events of Harry Potter, but it does intertwine with a younger Dumbledore and we see some of the stuff, the interactions with Dumbledore and Grindelwald. And so the the thing that is really exciting is that the third movie that is coming out finally has a title. It's called Fantastic Beasts, The Secrets of Dumbledore. Now that is really intriguing to all of us who have made it through the entire series, particularly the last book where we do get to see a lot of the family history of Dumbledore be brought up and Rita Skeeter really tries to drag the the name of Dumbledore through the mud. Ultimately, it ends up not really being, I don't want to say not a huge deal because it turns out that some of the stuff that Rita does talk about is a little bit accurate without talking about any of the, the spoilers here. But almost in a not really understood way, is she right about some of this? And so I'm really excited about this, that I'm, I'm hoping that as the title is alluding to, it does talk maybe about some of these secrets and you get to see a little bit of Dumbledore's past that wasn't explored in the movies from the book, maybe explored a little bit more here. Maybe we'll get to see some of the insights and maybe some of the stuff that we learned in the last book will probably come out now in all of this. I'm just really excited for that. I'm really excited for this series. And I I don't know. I'm just, it's exciting stuff. And one other thing that I want to mention during this news segment is something that I found out about as I was looking up different news and stuff. And this is something that is extremely exciting to me is Harry Potter, the exhibition it's kicking off a new global tour and it has a world premiere taking place at the Franklin Institute in Philadelphia starting in 2022. It doesn't have an exact date yet, but it does say that it's taking place at the Franklin Institute in Philadelphia. This all new innovative behind the scenes exhibition, which explores the films and stories of the Harry Potter, Fantastic Beasts, and Cursed Child series, it is a behind the scenes look uh, of the making, maybe of the movies and how they did it. It says visitors can expect brand new opportunities to discover unique environments and newly created installations themed around your favorite Wizarding World characters, locations, and moments. Expect authentic props and costumes from the films to be on display, plus many more magical surprises. And so this looks really cool. I cannot wait to check this out. Um, There is a website if you guys want to go check it out. It's Harry Potter Exhibition dot com. I'm going to look around it myself even more and bring you guys more news about it is this is something that I am extremely interested in. I really want to go see this. And so that's that's it for the news. Now, I lied. There is one little other bit of news. This is more centralized around us here at Common Room Talk, and that is that we we do have a name that we're going to use for when people do send us emails or or messages or chat with us, and it's going to be called Owl Post. I thought that might have been probably just like the best like authentic name to really go with. It's one that I'm really excited about. And so yeah, with that being said, I do have one that I, I want to share some outposts that I would like to share with everyone. And that is some messages that I've had some correspondence with a, a friend of ours, Antoine. And from what I have gathered from him, he is a, a French listener who has been inspired to create his own podcast. Uh, I believe he said he would do it in in French. And I think that is is really cool. Uh, he reached out and said that he has enjoyed listening, that he's en- enjoyed me going through the series like I have. He, he's given me some wonderful compliments about being just really easy to understand and really easy to be able to dive in with inside of all of this. And so it was really cool to get these compliments from Antoine. And Antoine, if you're listening, please do it. Start your own podcast. Talk about Harry Potter. Talk about whatever you want to do. I 
I didn't think that uh, I would ever be inspiring in the way to make somebody else want to go do this, but please, uh, by all means, go do it and, and let us know. Like, I would love to listen to it. I would love to to see what your take is on everything. And that's the the great thing about this, about the the Harry Potter universe, is it, it's even though it is objective in the fact that like this is J.K. Rowling's work. She intended it to be interpreted her way and there are things in here that we can take and make our own and we can talk about how it has made us feel how it has inspired us what it means to us all in that way like it can be unique to us and so please if you're inspired to go do it go do it i started this podcast for the two reasons that i've talked about to get better at public speaking and to have a place to talk about harry potter where it's safe for me. And I love it. I I love that I get to express my interest in Harry Potter in this way. And if it's something you want to do, please go do it. Go start a podcast, go talk about it, go whatever you want to do, a blog, a vlog, however you want to do it on podcasts, on YouTube, on Facebook as a group, go do it. Express yourself Show your uniqueness inside of all of this. And if you have a love for Harry Potter, it doesn't even have to be about Harry Potter. If it's Lord of the Rings, if it's the Hunger Games, if it's Twilight, which I absolutely love Twilight. If anybody in here starts a Twilight podcast, please let me know. I would love to listen. And if you ever want somebody to come on and talk with you about Twilight, I'm your man. Like I love talking Twilight almost as much as I love talking Harry Potter. Anyways, if you are inspired to go do something like that, please go do it. Now, with all of that being said, let's dig into this episode. And to start off, what I want to do is kind of just a recap. Last week, we uh, we saw Harry getting to platform nine and three quarters. We saw him getting onto the train, and that's really where we ended it. We saw the Weasley family kind of talking a bit about Harry after Fred and George helped him lift his trunk into his compartment. And we saw and ended with the train getting ready to take off. Now, one of the things that I I wanted to bring up, which I thought was really cool, is I was going back through the movie, the extended edition version. I came across a really cool piece. It's right when Harry goes through the barrier and first gets to see the Hogwarts Express. Now, if you look closely, you can see a boy and it looks like his grandmother kind of checking out and looking at the locomotive car, the pilot car. It's the engine, the car that is in the very front. It's where you get the iconic view of the Hogwarts Express with its smokestack and the front of it. And it's it's red. It's the scarlet color that we're, we're used to seeing. And you see this young boy checking this out. He's kind of pointing towards something, leaning in. And this looks a lot like Neville. I can't say definitively that it is Neville, but it looks, I would say like I'm 90% sure it's him. And what's even cooler is you see his grand behind him. And up until this point, we haven't heard about her, but we know that this is the person that, that raises Neville. And you hear more about her later, but if that is true, that's really cool that you see that so soon in the movies. She hasn't even been mentioned in the movies, and yet that could be her standing back behind him. And I thought that was really cool. I'd never noticed that before. I also had a conversation with somebody this week about the barrier for Platform 9 and 3 quarters and what would happen if a muggle kind of walked up to it or tried to, or was like leaning against the wall there. Why wouldn't they just slip into it? I very quick answer. If this was a thought that you had, I think it is just another form of magic that you have to be magical to get through the barrier itself. I don't want to say that's definitive because you do see parents of muggle-borns getting through there. So maybe there is some kind of magic then that lets muggle-born parents through because obviously they have to let their kids onto the platform to get their kids onto the train. And so there's got to be something there to keep it to where there aren't just muggles going up to the barrier, going through the barrier, leaning against the wall for any reason whatsoever. And so, yeah, that's another unique twist 
But there's definitely some sort of magic there that keeps the muggles away from that particular barrier. And maybe it's only just during that time when they're letting students on and off the platform. So there's got to be something. When you think about even just the return journey, if there are students just coming out of a wall somewhere, there's got to be something to deter muggle attention from the barrier itself. I mean, you even got to think about there's got to be some kind of special circumstance in which maybe it's kind of like how Hagrid comes to retrieve Harry, the same thing that happens with with Muggleborns when you see Dumbledore going to pick up Tom Riddle in an orphanage. There's got to be maybe some kind of, I don't want to, I don't know, the word escort maybe for the first time in which a, a Muggle-born student and their parents make their journey to platform nine and three quarters. There's got to be some kind of instruction that's got to be done. Otherwise, they're going to get to the platform and have no idea how to get into there. And so, yeah, I'm assuming there's definitely some sort of magic. There's probably some sort of escort or mediator between getting onto the platform with Muggleborns and something to just keep Muggles out in general. Very cool things to think about. And so... We're going to start the rest of our chapter here. This is the journey from platform nine and three quarters, part two. Now, the last episode ended exactly with Harry seeing Mrs. Weasley and her daughter disappear out of sight as the train rounded a corner. Some houses then started flying past the window and It says that Harry felt a great leap of excitement. He didn't know what he was going to do, but it had to be better than what he was leaving behind. That is one of a few of my absolute favorite statements in this book particularly. There's another one coming up in just a a few pages, but that sense of adventure, that sense of excitement that you have going into the unknown, especially when you have a not-so-good past, when you know that you are leaving something that is going to be far away and it can't hurt you is such a relief. I can speak to this personally without getting into any actual details about it, but I can speak to this and just how amazing it is to get out of a situation, to be done with it, to finally just shrug that weight off of your shoulders. It is such a an amazing feeling. And so I feel for Harry in this moment as he knows it, it It had to be better than what he is leaving behind. And it is where he's going to, we know what it eventually leads to. It eventually leads to triumph and conquering and ultimately life. But the journey there is difficult. And we know how difficult that is in hindsight And yet we also know that it's better than what he's leaving behind. And it's just so amazing. I love it. In that moment, the the compartment door is slid open and the youngest redheaded boy comes in. And so part of this, this family here comes in and he asks, is anyone sitting here pointing at the seat opposite of Harry? He says that everywhere else is full. So he's looking for somewhere to sit and this is where he ends up. And whether it's fate or chance or coincidence, uh, this is this is where this friendship ultimately starts. It says Harry shook his head and the boy sat down. And the boy glances at Harry and looked quickly out of the window, pretending that he hadn't looked. And he says that Harry saw that he still had this black mark on his nose. So he still has this dirt on his nose, the one that his mom was trying to to wipe off. And you see this also in the movie, this black mark is there. And I, I really like this. If you pay attention to Ron in the movie, he has the black mark. He has dirt under his fingernails. Uh, he, it's just a, a young boy. Uh, he doesn't care about being dirty and it doesn't, I don't know. It's just, it's a really cool, small attention to detail that I really enjoy. And then you see just abruptly, hey, Ron, the twins were back. Listen, we're going down the middle of the train. Lee Jordan's got a tarantula down there. Ron just acknowledged it. Harry said the other twin, did we introduce ourselves? Fred and George Weasley, and this is Ron, our brother. See you later then. And so this is really cool that you see Fred and George actually introduce themselves first. So that not only is... 
Fred and George the first Weasleys he really gets to meet and talk to outside of just asking Mrs. Weasley how to get onto the platform. But they're the first ones who interact really with Harry. They're the first ones to introduce themselves to Harry. And you would think that maybe that would be a start of a, a bigger friendship there. Um, but again, it's it's Ron. The the twins exit. They they introduced their brother to him. Ron didn't even introduce himself. They had to introduce him, and then they take off. And right out of the gate then, Ron blurts out this question, are you really Harry Potter? And then Harry nods as an answer. He just nods to him. And then you see Ron just not unsurprised, but also not surprised at the same time. He says, oh, well, I thought it might be one of Fred and George jokes. And have you really got the, you know... He pointed at Harry's forehead. Harry then pulled back a fringe of hair, showing his lightning scar. And then it says that Ron started. He kind of jumped like he that was where he really believed. I don't think he was really expecting to see that. But then you see the next question. So that's where you know who question mark. And so this is where you really see Ron come to terms or come to grips with come to grips. I don't know if that's correct. You see him come to terms with the fact that one, Voldemort really existed. And two, everything that he heard about Voldemort was also true. And the proof of it is sitting in front of Harry. Now keep in mind, Ron being within months the same age as Harry. And his life has been a life thus far led without Voldemort being in the picture. And so he has heard just what we would call the nightmare stories. He hasn't actually experienced it himself. And so this is his first time living this, like getting living proof of this and seeing it face to face. This is the first time that he has seen that everything that he has heard about Voldemort is true. And so I don't blame him for jumping and, and, and being being afraid, honestly, at this point. But Harry says, yes, but I can't remember it. And it says, Ron says, nothing at all, eagerly, nothing. And Harry says, and this is really significant. He says, well, I remember a lot of green light. Now, we know what the green light is. That's significant. And this isn't really unpacked for a very long time. We do see during Prisoner of Azkaban with the experience that he has on the train, there's a little bit more that is kind of reawakened in Harry's mind without giving too much of a spoiler. We see that there's more unlocked there. And throughout the whole series, more and more becomes clear about that moment. But here he says that he can remember a lot of green light. And if you remember back earlier in the beginning of this book, when Harry was under the impression that his parents had still died in a car crash, he remembered a green light. And I think it's kind of implied there that maybe he was attributing that green light to a stoplight, maybe. And that's why it was so easy for him to, to believe that story. But we know what that green light actually is. So Ron, in response to the green light statement, says, wow. And he just sat and stared at Harry for a few moments. And then Harry asks him a question. Are all your family wizards? Ron says, I think so. I think mom's got a second cousin who's an accountant, but we never talk about him. And so Harry then says, so you must know loads of magic already. The Weasleys were clearly one of those old wizarding families the pale boy in Diagon Alley had talked about. Ron says, I heard you went to live with muggles. What are they like? Harry says, horrible. Well, not all of them. My aunt, uncle, and cousin are, though. Wish I had three wizard brothers. This is where we find out there's more. Ron says it's five, and for some reason, he looked very gloomy. I'm sixth in our family to go to Hogwarts. You could say I've got a lot to live up to. Bill and Charlie have already left. Bill was head boy, and Charlie was captain of Quidditch. Now, Percy's a prefect. Fred and George mess around a lot, but they still get really good marks, and everyone thinks they're really funny. Everyone expects me to do as well as the others, but if I do, it's no big deal because they did it first. You never get anything new either with five brothers. I've got Bill's old robes, Charlie's old wand, and Percy's old rat. Now, I think that is extremely significant. 
when I say significant, I mean in regards to him having Charlie's old wand. Again, as we get into wand lore, and ultimately this particular one isn't going to matter as there are a lot of events that change the wand that Ron has. But ultimately here, I wonder if Ron isn't so poor at magic, which we're going to we're going to talk about this so much more later, but this is so significant when we see that that Ron does struggle a little bit with some of the spells that he is learning. I wonder if it is because of this, because this isn't his wand, because this wand didn't choose him. I wonder if it is because this is Charlie's old wand just handed down to him. He didn't win it. He didn't it wasn't relinquished in a, in a way that he won its allegiance but it's just given to him as a hand-me-down. And I honestly think that because of this mentality of maybe even Ron doesn't want this wand because it is a hand-me-down. It's not his. It's not new. We see that even in this moment, the desire to be acknowledged and, and separate from his brothers is a desire that is it's very common to man. It's not uncommon. It, it is a very common desire. And we see other wizards in this series struggle with this exact same feeling. And it actually pushes them to the evil side of magic, the darker side of magic. And I think that's really significant here that it says that he has Charlie's old wand. I think it is a very good reasoning behind why Ron might struggle so early on. But we also see here, too, that he has Percy's old rat. And so it says that he reaches inside his jacket and he pulled out this fat gray rat, which was asleep. His name's Scabbers, and he is useless. He hardly ever wakes up. Percy got an owl from my dad for being made prefect, but they couldn't afford – or it says he couldn't f, and he stops – and says, I got scabbers instead. Ron's ears went pink. He seemed to think he had said too much because he went back to staring out of the window. So we know that he is embarrassed about not having a lot of money. Uh, this is also something that I relate very much to growing up. There, there were times where we didn't always have somewhere to live. We didn't always have the best clothes. We didn't have nice things. And to say this without putting anyone down, because I don't believe it is anyone's particular fault. It's just the hand we were dealt and we, we dealt with it. And there were times where it was embarrassing. I remember being in school and seeing people with really nice things and being envious and being jealous. And there were times that because of what we did have, we were bullied for it. We were put down because of it. And I understand that embarrassment. I understand that feeling. I understand why Ron would kind of, his ears would go pink and he would stare out the window. Like, I understand that. And I like Harry's response. Harry didn't think that there was anything wrong with not being able to afford now. After all, he had never had any money in his life until a month ago. And he told Ron so. All about having to wear Dudley's old clothes, never getting proper birthday presents, and this seemed to cheer Ron up. And I think the big significant difference in this is the fact that even though they were both not well-to-do off, like they, they both come from humble, poor means. And I don't mean poor as in like poor conditions as in Harry does. He had poor conditions. He was treated poorly. Ron in a monetary sense, but was still extremely wealthy in the fact that he had his family that loved him the way that they did. And I think this might have been a moment where Ron kind of realized this instantly um, because it seems to cheer him up a bit. I think Ron kind of understood then, and he's going to understand later when the, he hears more about the, the Dursleys, that there's a big difference between being poor and having a poor life. And Harry had both. And so it says, this seemed to cheer Ron up. And until Hagrid told me, I didn't know anything about being a wizard or my parents or Voldemort. And then Ron gasped. Harry said, what? And Ron says, you said you know whose name? Sounding both shocked and impressed. I'd have thought of all people. And then Harry says, I'm not trying to be brave or anything by saying the name. I just didn't know you shouldn't. See what I mean? I've got loads to learn, I bet. And he adds, 
voicing for the first time this concern, this worrying that had been inside of him. I bet I'm the worst in the class. And before I continue with that point, one of the things that I wanted to bring up, which I, I skipped over and I didn't mean to, was when Harry asked, are all of your family wizards? The next line after this is one of my favorite in the entire series. It says, are all of your family wizards, asked Harry, who found Ron just as interesting as Ron found him. And I think that's so cool that you see this absolute mutual fascination with each other. Harry being essentially muggle-born in the fact that he lives his muggle-born life and not knowing anything about wizards or Hogwarts or the wizarding world, wants to know everything about Ron. And Ron, who has just come face-to-face with the fact that Harry and Voldemort were real and he's sitting across from this boy and he just wants to know as much as he possibly can about him. It's so cool to me, that dynamic. But back to Harry saying, I bet I'm the worst in the class. Ron says, you won't be. There's loads who come from muggle families and they learn quick enough. Some time goes by. They see just the scenery that's passing by the windows as they're they're traveling through the countryside here. And after a while, a woman slid back the door and said anything off the trolley deers. And it says Harry, who hadn't had any breakfast, leapt to his feet. But Ron's ears went pink again and he muttered, that he had brought sandwiches and Harry went out into the corridor. He kind of just looked over this this trolley here. He said he had never had any monies and sweets with the Dursleys. And now that he had pockets rattling with gold and silver, he was ready to buy as many Mars bars as he could carry. But the woman didn't have Mars bars. What she did have were Birdie Bot's Every Flavor Beans, Drupal's Best Blowing Gum, Chocolate Frogs, Pumpkin Pasties, cauldron cakes, licorice wands, and a number of other strange things Harry had never seen in his life. Not wanting to miss anything, he got some of everything and paid the woman 11 sickles and 7 bronze canuts. says that Ron stared at Harry as he brought it all back into the compartment and tipped it onto an empty seat. Hungry are you? Starving, said Harry, taking a large bite out of a pumpkin pasty. Ron had taken out a lumpy package and unwrapped it. There were four sandwiches in there. He pulled one of them apart and said, She always forgets I don't like corned beef. And then Harry said, I'll swap you one of these. Go on. You don't want this. It's all dry, said Ron. She hasn't got much time, he added quickly. You know, with five of us. Harry says, go on, have a pasty, holding up one of them. And so you see them just kind of... Enjoy this time together. They're they're eating there, and it was a nice feeling sitting there with Ron, eating their way through all of Harry's pasties and cakes, and the sandwiches kind of lay on the side, forgotten. Harry holds up something. He says, what are these? And it's a pack of chocolate frogs. They're not really frogs, are they? He had a strange feeling that nothing would surprise him. No, but see what the card is. I'm missing Agrippa. What? Oh, of course you wouldn't know. Chocolate frogs have cards inside them, you know, to collect famous witches and wizards. I've got about 500, but I haven't got Agrippa or Ptolemy. Says that Harry unwrapped his chocolate frog and picked up the card. It showed a man's face. He wore half moon glasses, had a long crooked nose and flowing silver hair beard, and mustache. Underneath the picture was the name, Albus Dumbledore. So this is Dumbledore, said Harry. Don't tell me you've never heard of Dumbledore, said Ron. Can I have a frog? I might get Agrippa. Thanks. Harry turned over his card and read, Albus Dumbledore, currently headmaster of Hogwarts, considered by many the greatest wizard of modern times. Professor Dumbledore is particularly famous for his defeat of the dark wizard Grindelwald in 1945, for the discovery of the 12 uses of dragon's blood, and his work on alchemy with his partner Nicholas Flamel. Professor Dumbledore enjoys chamber music and 10-pin bowling. Very unique description of Dumbledore here, if you ask me. But it's really cool is the portrait that we have of Dumbledore here. Again, and as I say, pretty much every single episode, we're using the illustrated version of Harry Potter and the Sorcerer's Stone, illustrated by Jim Kay. If you don't have it, go get it. You can get them 
almost at any store, Walmart, Target, Amazon.com, get these books. They are so worth it. The illustrations in them are so gorgeous, and they give you a very unique perspective of what these characters look like based on their descriptions in the book and not by the actors who portrayed them in movies. But in this portrait, we do have Albus Dumbledore sitting here. It looks like he he's eating something, but he has these, it looks like purple robes on. You see the half moon spectacles hanging on his crooked, very obviously broken, probably many times nose. He has another pair of half moon spectacles tucked away in his pocket. And he has this purple, it looks like a hat on his head. And you have his long silver hair, mustache and beard kind of hanging down. And he has this, I don't want to say stern, but he has a strong look in his face here. And you see that there is a little knitting pattern that started on the desk here. He has some sort of candy and there's a little plant and maybe a book. It looks like, yeah, a book and a potion bottle all sitting here in front of him. And this is the visual depiction that we get of Albus Dumbledore. It is a great little portrait to see. Even here in his description, there is a lot about Professor Dumbledore that we learn, whether it is the defeat of the Dark Wizard Grindelwald. So immediately now we know that there's been more than one Dark Wizard. It hasn't just been Voldemort in the picture. It has been more than one. We see Grindelwald here, and we see that it was Dumbledore who defeated him. And I think it's significant to point out that the fact that people believe that Harry, that, Harry, that Dumbledore is the greatest wizard of modern times, which means that if you put two and two together, it could mean that Grindelwald was significant enough that Dumbledore had to step in, meaning it took somebody significantly powerful to defeat Grindelwald. That was in 1945. Then the discovery of the 12 uses of dragon's blood and his work on alchemy with his partner, Nicholas Flamel, which we're going to learn a good deal about Nicholas Flamel throughout this, this series here. But... If you guys haven't read, there's a, a series of books called The Secrets of the Immortal Nicholas Flamel. I highly recommend them. If you've never read them, I, there's an audiobook of them. They, they're a really cool story that tells you a lot about the, the lore and background of the Flamels. And yeah, they're, they're really cool books. Go, go check them out. I highly recommend them. And then you see some of Dumbledore's favorite things, chamber music and 10-pin bowling. Harry turned the car back over and saw to his astonishment that Dumbledore's face had disappeared. He's gone. Well, you can't expect him to hang around all day, said Ron. He'll be back. Uh, I've got Morgana again, and I've got about six of her. Do you want it? You can start collecting. And so then Ron's eyes kind of roll over to the pile of chocolate frogs waiting to be unwrapped. He really wants to dig into them. Harry then invites him to please help yourself, but... You know, in the muggle world, people stay put in photos. Do they? Well, they don't move at all. Like, Ron sounded amazed. Weird. And so this is really cool, too, where for somebody as Ron to have a father like he has, it kind of blows me away that he doesn't know some of these things about muggles. But it is really cool to see the interest that he has in Harry as well because of these things and not knowing about muggles very much. Then it just continues on with Harry and Ron going through the chocolate frogs, Ron enjoying the frogs, Harry enjoying the card and his collection growing. And then he goes to open up a bag of Birdie Bot's Every Flavor Beans. Ron says you want to be careful with those. When they say every flavor, they mean every flavor. You know, you get all the ordinary ones like chocolate and peppermint and marmalade, but then you get spinach, liver, and tripe. George reckons he got a bogey-flavored one once. It says now that the countryside was flying past the window and becoming wilder, the neat fields had gone. There were woods, twisting rivers, and dark green hills. There was a knock on the compartment door, and the round-faced boy Harry had passed on the platform. Nine and three-quarters came in. He looked tearful. Sorry, but have you all seen a toad? And when they shook their heads, he wailed, I've lost him. He keeps getting away from me. He'll turn up, said Harry. Yes, said the boy miserably. Well, if you see him, and then he just left. Don't know why he's so bothered, said Ron. If I had brought a toad, I'd lose it as quick as I could, mind you. I brought scabbers, so I can't talk. 
So we see him say, I tried to turn him yellow yesterday to make him more interesting, but the spell didn't work. Look, I'll show you. And so he rummaged in and pulled out a very battered looking wand. It was chipped in places and something white was glinting at the end. And Ron says, unicorn hair is nearly poking out anyway. I think that, again, that also kind of contributes into the fact that I think because of the wand, because of the condition, because it wasn't probably actually... um, in allegiance with Ron that it wasn't ever going to work well for him. Regardless, I don't think he's that bad of a wizard by any means. Then the compartment door opens again. This time it's a girl. And she says, has anyone seen a toad? Neville's lost one. She had a bossy sort of voice, lots of bushy brown hair and rather large front teeth. We've already told him that we haven't seen it, said Ron. But the girl wasn't listening. She was looking at the wand in his hand. Oh, are you doing magic? Let's see then. She sat down. Ron looked taken aback. Um, all right. He cleared his throat. Sunshine daisies, butter mellow. Turn this stupid fat rat yellow. It says that he, he waved his wand, but nothing happened. Scabbard stayed gray and fast asleep. Hermione then kind of, as we also see in the movie, like, are you sure that's a real spell? It's not very good. And she says, I've tried a few simple ones just for practice, and it's all worked for me. Now, she says all the trail, the all the spells that she has tried thus far have worked for her. And she said, nobody in my family's magic at all. It was ever such a surprise when I got my letter, but I was ever so pleased, of course. And then she says, it's only the best school of witchcraft there is i've heard i've learned all of our set books off by heart of course i just hope it will be enough i'm hermione granger by the way who are you she said all of it very fast unlike me trying to just stumble over her words just now harry looked at ron and was relieved to see by his stunned face that he hadn't learned all the set books off by heart either uh, and when it says set books off by heart, meaning they didn't learn them by heart. They didn't have them memorized just yet. Ron introduces himself. He says, I'm Ron Weasley. And then Harry said, Harry Potter. And then it seems Hermione takes zero interest in Ron whatsoever. Looking at Harry, she says, are you really? I know all about you, of course. I got a few extra books for background reading and you're in... Modern Magical History and the Rise and Fall of the Dark Arts and Great Wizarding Events of the 20th Century. Harry, feeling dazed, said, I am I? And she said, goodness, didn't you know? I'd have found out everything I could if it was me. Do either of you know what house you'll be in? I've been asking around, and I hope I'm in Gryffindor. So they kind of go on about that for a little bit. And she finally gets upset. She better go look for, for Neville's toad, gets ready to leave. And I did misspeak earlier when Hermione first showed up. She also had Neville with her. And now when she's getting ready to leave, it says that she left taking the toadless boy with her. We see Ron say, whatever house I'm in, I hope she's not in. And he threw his wand back into his trunk and says, stupid spell. George gave it to me, but I knew it was a dud. And it seems like one of those instances where... The older brother is trying to uh, kind of dig at the little brother, having fun with it. Harry asks, what houses are your brothers in? And Ron replies, Gryffindor, and says, gloom seemed to be settling on him again. Mom and dad were in it too. I don't know what they, they'll say if I'm not. I don't suppose Ravenclaw would be too bad, but imagine if they put me in Slytherin. That's the house that Vol, I mean, you know who's in. And that was a question by... Harry, and Ron said, yeah, but he flopped back into his seat looking depressed. And Harry, just already trying to be a good friend, says, you know, I think the ends of Scabber's whiskers are a bit lighter. And he's trying to take his mind off the houses. So they then go into conversation about what his older brothers do, and we get a little bit of information there. As Harry asks about his eldest brothers, says Charlie's in Romania studying dragons and Bill's in Africa doing something for Gringotts. And then he asks, did you hear about Gringotts? It's been all over the Daily Prophet, but I don't suppose you get it with the muggles. Someone tried to rob a high-security vault. And then it says that, that Harry just kind of stared. Really? What happened to them? And then 
Ron says, nothing. That's why it's such big news. They haven't been caught. And my dad said it must have been a powerful dark wizard to get round Gringotts, but they don't think that they took anything. That's what's odd. And it says that this kind of thing ends up making everyone scared because they don't know if you know who would be behind it or not. Then Ron asks, what's your Quidditch team? And Harry says, I don't know any. And Ron just looked dumbfounded. He says, what? And so he kind of then goes into talking a little bit about Quidditch and the inner workings of it, which we'll talk about later. But then the compartment door slid open again. But this time it wasn't Neville, the Toadless Boy, or Hermione Granger. And it says, three boys entered and Harry recognized the one in the middle at once. It was the pale boy from Madame Malkin's robe shop. And it says that he was looking at Harry with a lot more interest than he had shown back in Diagon Alley. The boy starts off saying, is it true? They're all saying down the train that Harry Potter's in this compartment. So it's you, is it? Harry said, yes. And then Malfoy introduces Crab and Goyle. And it says that he says this carelessly, noticing where Harry was looking. And he says, my name's Malfoy, Draco Malfoy. And then Ron gave a slight cough, which he might have been hiding a snigger. And Draco looked at him. Now, this scene, of course, is the one that we see in the movie that's already taken place at Hogwarts. This is at the top of the staircase, getting ready to go into the Great Hall. It's also one of the things that we see as a, a little bit different in the movies, where it, later on in the movies, we see the Great Hall is actually off to the right of one of the main doors. Here, they went up several flights of staircases it looks like to get to the great hall and not that that's really relevant or important at this moment but that scene in particular again happens at hogwarts where here it's happening on the train so in response to ron possibly snickering at draco's name his response is think my name's funny do you no need to ask who you are my father told me all the weasleys have red hair freckles and have more children than they can afford and then he turned back to Harry, says, you'll soon find out some wizarding families are much better than others, Potter. You don't want to go making friends with the wrong sort. I can help you there. And then he held out his hand to shake Harry's hand, but Harry didn't take it. Harry, in response, says, I think I can tell who the wrong sort are for myself. Thanks. But it says that Draco Malfoy didn't go red, but a pink tinge appeared in his pale cheeks. He says, I'd be careful if I were you, Potter, he said slowly, unless you're a bit politer i don't know if that was really a word but that's what it says here i would go with if you're unless you're a bit more polite i'm gonna double check that thanks to the editing magic of what we have here for recording you're not going to notice the difference all right so according to google this says although more polite is more likely to be heard in the u.s politer is perfectly correct english so there you are i guess politer is 100% okay to use, and not that I am a person by any means to sit here and correct any grammar or pronunciation or just any of these kind of things, because I know that, especially in my episodes, I have been grammatically incorrect, uh, probably painfully so, but when you do hear words like that, they kind of stand out at you. So, again, Malfoy says... I'd be careful if I were you, Potter, he said slowly. Unless you're a bit politer, you'll go the same way as your parents. They didn't know what was good for them either. You hang around with riffraff like the Weasleys in that Hagrid, and it'll rub off on you. Instantly, like, Draco is throwing out fighting, fighting words. He is ready to just throw down with Harry, at least with Crab and Goyle behind him, that is. But you instantly see that that real pompous attitude coming out again and it's this time it's like extra it, he's really just giving it and so in response harry and ron stand up ron's face was as red as his hair and he says say that again and malfoy said oh you're going to fight us are you and Harry says, unless you get out now, which is, again, one of my – it's it's very Dumbledore-ish of Harry. He hasn't even met Dumbledore yet, but that's the kind of thing that Dumbledore says to people. Like, are you going to try and fight us? Well, yeah, if you're stupid enough to try it. <laughs> and so he says, yeah, unless you get out now, much more bravely than he felt because Crab and Goyle were a lot bigger than him and Ron. 
but we don't feel like leaving, do we, boys? We've eaten all of our food, and you still seem to have some. And so this is quickly turning into what would be like a typical bullying scene that we would see anywhere uh, from insulting parents to uh, just going in and like, we're going to have our way with you. We're going to eat your food. Our food's gone. And it, it simply comes again from just the the fact that Malfoy wanted something and he's not getting it. He's not getting his way. So he instantly resorts to this insults and taunting and just all of that. So it says that Goyle reached towards the chocolate frogs next to Ron. Ron leapt forward, but before he so much touched Goyle, Goyle let out a horrible yell. Scabbers the rat was hanging off of his finger. Sharp little teeth sunk deep into Goyle's knuckle. Crab and Malfoy backed away as Goyle swung Scabbers round and round, howling, and when Scabbers finally flew off and hit the window, all three of them disappeared at once. Perhaps they thought they were there were more rats lurking among the sweets. Or perhaps they had heard footsteps because a second later Hermione Granger had come in. So she asks what's going on. They have a back and forth about Harry meeting Malfoy before. Ron talks about how he's heard of his family. They were some of the first to come back to our side after you-know-who disappeared. Said they had been bewitched, which we all, of course, learn later on uh, means being imperious. Um, Little tidbit there. Obviously, we're going to learn about it later. Hermione then again reminds them to be putting on their robes. They're going to be arriving soon. And says that they shouldn't have been fighting. They're going to get into trouble before they even get there. They reply with scabbers have been fighting, not us. And would you mind leaving while we change? Now, when she leaves, this is where we get that iconic line. You've got dirt on your nose, by the way. Did you know? We see that in the movie as well, but in the first and only interaction that we see with her in the compartment. The boys got changed and a voice echoed through the train. We will be reaching Hogwarts in five minutes time. Please leave your luggage on the train. It will be taken to the school separately. Says the train finally stopped and slowed and people started to push their way out onto the tiny dark platform. Harry shivered in the cold night air. Then a lamp had come bobbing over the heads of the students and Harry heard a familiar voice. First years, first years over here, all right there, Harry. Hagrid's big hairy face beamed over the sea of heads. Come on, follow me. Any more first years? Mind your step now. First years, follow me. As they all start moving along, Hagrid continues. You'll get your first sight of Hogwarts in a second, Hagrid called over his shoulder, just round this bend here. Then there was a loud, oh. The narrow path opened suddenly on the edge of a great black lake. Perched atop a high mountain on the other side, its windows sparkling in the starry sky was a vast castle with many turrets and towers. No more than four to a boat, Hagrid called, pointing to a fleet of little boats sitting in the water by the shore. Harry and Ron were followed into the boat by Neville and Hermione. Then, on the previous page, we had this wonderful portrait of Hogwarts, and it's very... I would say almost Tim Burton-esque. It's very dark. It's very it's all grays and blacks in this in this portrait here. And you see up front, very close in the foreground here, is all just like weeds, it looks like, or bushes without their leaves. And then you see very subtly coming out of like this dark mist are the many turrets and towers of, of a castle. They're long, tall, and skinny, and you see little flickers of light here and there indicating where the windows are. It's a gorgeous, it's a very spooky October Tim Burton-esque like Halloween portrait of Hogwarts. It is probably one of my favorite portraits that you see here. You can see it looks like maybe it could be trees. It could be even like chimney smoke coming out of some of these. I would probably go with chimney smoke maybe, but there are a few places where it could still be trees and stuff sticking out in front of Hogwarts. So it says that they went through a curtain of ivy and then through a dark tunnel, which seemed to be taking them right underneath the castle until they reached a kind of underground harbor where they clambered out onto rocks and pebbles. Oi, you there, is this your toad? said Hagrid, who was checking the boats as people climbed out of them. Trevor! cried Neville blissfully, holding out his hands. Then they clambered up a passageway in the rock after Hagrid's lamp. Coming out 
at last onto smooth, damp grass right in the shadow of the castle. And so somehow Trevor, the toad, made it into the boats. Who knows how? Maybe somebody picked him up along the way. But he he found his way into the, the boats off of the train. He did not end up back in London. It says that they had walked up a flight of stone steps and crowded around a huge oak front door. So I, it doesn't indicate whether or not they're outside, but I'm guessing that they're still outside because it didn't say that they went inside. They just went up a flight of steps. So I'm guessing these are the, the first steps up to the castle itself. Everyone here, you there, still got your toad. Hagrid raised his gigantic fist and knocked three times on the castle door. I don't know why he had to knock three times on the castle door, but it says that he does. I'm guessing maybe this is just an indicator to let them know that they're here, to let Professor McGonagall know that they're here. I don't know. Either way, he knocks, and as I'm sure you guys realize with Hagrid's massive giant fists, uh, it's probably not simple knocking. He's probably banging on this door. It is... A massive door. He's a massive man. So expect massive knocks. And so that'll do it for this episode. And wow, guys, this is episode 10. That We've made it to the 10th episode. And that's that's remarkable. And that's amazing. And it's honestly only because of the listeners. If people didn't listen, then I wouldn't keep doing it. Yet people are still listening. And so that's, that's wonderful to me. Uh, thank you guys so much for listening. If you guys do enjoy it, if you do like it, please... Like it on whatever platform you're listening to it on. Share it with everyone that you know that likes or has any interest in Harry Potter whatsoever. And if you can, just share it on your social media platforms. That way other people can see it and we can get the word out there and it, it can it can keep spreading. To my friend who is now inspired to make his own podcast, again, do it. This is what I, I'm really hoping will come out of this is that people will want to do this. Or they'll, they'll want to talk about Harry Potter. They'll be inspired and I want this to be different. I don't want it to be something where you're just going through a book or you're listening to the audiobook again or you're watching the movie. I want this to be something that can be different where somebody can say, I've seen the movies, I've read the books, and now I've listened to completely detailed podcasts. I'm not saying that's going to be me. That could be somebody who is much better at this than I am. But I want to add a new, unique way on going through the stories with different perspectives and stuff like that. So please like it, share it, talk about it, and reach out to me if you guys have any questions or comments. If you guys want to have anything read on the podcast, if you if you have your opinions that you want to have read, email me, commonroomtalk at gmail.com. And really quick, I apologize. I wanted to do a creature segment this episode but we have gone so far over time that I'm just going to put one in the next episode. So I apologize if you were wanting to hear a creature. I will do my best to put it into the next episode. But with that, yeah, thank you guys for listening. My name's Tony. I'm your host. And this is Common Room Talk. <laughs>